I hope today that you are, are spoiled and treated well. You deserve it. Thank you for being here today. Uh, I know it's funny. Some of us think that um, getting mom a, a gift or taking her to lunch and, you know, just smothering her with love is the ultimate Mother's Day gift. But how many moms are with me that the ultimate Mother's Day gift is for everybody to be gone? <laughs> leave. (laughs) It kind of bites me, you know, because uh, my love language is quality time. So I'm I'm kind of just in a bad spot for that. But I I had a funny thought thinking about that of me kind of my my ultimate Mother's Day would be to like be propped up with all the good stuff around me and have my kids and husband slip something so they're sleeping and not bothering me, but they're still close by. And I think that's funny because we used to tell my mother all the time, you know, we're, we're there with her. Probably happened tonight, honestly. Uh, she's, y'all are driving me crazy, you know. And, okay, well, then I guess, you know, it's time to, ho- t- no, don't leave. I want you here. And, and I was like, that's so weird. Like, you don't, you're in at us, you know, and we're all here. So we'll leave you alone. No, I want you here. And then, then you just realize, oh, my God, I'm becoming my mother. <laughs> it's like a lot of our worst nightmare. But. I I, uh, I love you today. I hope that I hope that you are treated special today. You certainly deserve it. Thank you for being here. Uh, I want to give props to my husband. I don't know where he's at, but I know how unqualified I am to be up here. He is a much better speaker, the best-looking pastor I've ever served under, and you owe it to yourself to be back to hear him. If this is your first Sunday, come back. He will bless you. He's hysterical, and he is. He is a great, great, great minister, and he loves his family, and he loves his church, and we are blessed to be here. So I have a, I have a little something to share today. I don't think that, you know, fire's falling from heaven, and anyone's going to get like a major epiphany, but I just, I want to encourage you today um, and just kind of share a little bit of my testimony, and, and hopefully you'll leave today with a little bit of, of encouragement that, that this is not the end that there's hope, that, that things are, are not as bad as maybe you feel that they are. I had a conversation recently, <clears throat> um, and I feel like this is coming up in a lot of conversations. I had a conversation recently with someone who was going through a really rough time and said in so many words, you know, Brandy, I, I feel like I've given my life to God, and I'm just so tired all the time, and, and I, I feel like it... it it, nothing, you know, I, I feel changed, but, but stuff still stinks, and I'm tired. I feel like I'm just banging my head on a brick wall. Nothing's changed. You know, these situations are still here, and I, I'm honestly like, I don't know if it's worth it. I don't know if I can keep doing this. I, I think it's easier sometimes just to succumb, you know, and, and just let the devil win, you know. I, I don't want to do it anymore, and I said, I, I understand that, and she looked at me, and she said, but do you? And I got a little like, uh, yeah, I do. And she told, she told me, she said, well, I, I have a hard time with that because you always look put together. And <laughs> I, was, I got really tickled because that could not be further from the truth. And she said, your kids are always cute at church on Sunday. And you always, you know, look so nicely put together. And I'm glad if I come to church and my clothes aren't inside out, you know. And, and I... I work very hard at that, and that does not happen. I mean, look, fine, you don't see me during the week, and there's a reason, okay? <laughs> and during the week, it's sweatpants and a messy knot. It's not pretty. So um, I, I just, this is your Bible, babe, but it's in my way, so I'm going to put it here. 
Um, I, I just want to tell you guys today a little bit, like I said, of my story um, and encourage you. Our world glorifies the finished product, but our God glorifies the work in progress. I heard that recently, I, I think last night, and it, it just stuck with me. I thought that, that goes exactly with what I'm wanting to say. This is not a, uh, a sprint. This is a marathon. That's something Pastor Mitch loves to say all the time. We are in this for the long haul. And, and any artist or architect knows, knows this, and this is the way our God is designed. He's a creator, and things take time. It takes time to scratch stuff out and to make it what we want it to be. And I think in our day and age, we want immediate gratification. We want to come to Jesus, have him clean us up, put us on the pew, everything's perfect. That's just not, that's just not how it works. So if you're, you know, feeling stuck Hopefully today this is going to move you in the right directions. Philippians chapter 1, verse 6 and 7 says, For I am confident of this, that he who began a good work in you will continue to perfect it until the day of Christ Jesus. It is right for me to feel this way about you since I have it in my heart. For in all of my chains and in my defense and confirmation of the gospel, you are all partners in grace with me. Well, well, as, let's get started. Uh, as some of you know, um, my husband has said before, his family, he's got a long legacy of, of church and generations of church. I did not. I did not have that. Um, my parents came to Christ when I was about two years old. And let me just say um, kindly that they lived, okay, like wild. And they are only getting comfortable as we are, we've gotten older to share some of the stories of the things that they were saved from. And I kind of want to put it back in their mouth and hope I never heard it. You know, I mean, it was, it was wild, wild living. And so I have a lot of family that do not serve God. I have, I have some great family. My parents now are saved. They're wonderful people. They brought, they, they brought my, my brother and sister and I up in a great home. But I can't tell you some of my family's stories because I would rather you not know I'm related to them. And we all have family like that, right? Like, if you saw them coming today, you would be like, Pastor Mitch, can I leave that way? Like, I don't want to see them. Like, I don't want anybody to know that we're related. I have that as well. And so I can relate to people who, who can say, well, you don't know my family isn't perfect. Mine isn't either. And I can relate to people who say, well, you know, uh, we had alcoholism, or we had abuse, or we had this, that, or the other in my family, and that's, I can't help it. That's just the way I am. I have that same, that same excuse that I could point to as well, but I, I won't. I'm not going to do that, and um, like I said, my parents got in church. They were saved. They brought us into church. My husband jokes that he had a drug problem, as a little kid, he got drugged to church, drugged to prayer meeting, drugged to youth service. I joke about that, too. I, I was, but I, I, I was a little different because I felt at a very early age a call of God in my life. And I can't explain it for anything other than I craved the presence of God. I loved church. I sat on the front row. I learned every verse, course, and bridge and sing it again and we'll do it acapella and you know we'll do it till somebody you know takes a lap or whatever like we're having church and I would doodle notes and I would I would take the the sermon and put it into my words and I would go home and set up my little church in my house and I would preach to my brother and sister 
the message that I had heard. I loved, I loved God. I loved church. And I knew from a very early age that he was calling me and he wanted to do something in my life. But as I became a teenager, you know, it wasn't cool to be the church girl anymore. And I literally got labeled the church girl at my school. It was a very small school. And being the church girl meant I, I must also be the smart girl and the goody two-shoes. And I hated it. I hated it. And so I started to do things that would kind of separate me from that identity. And I, uh, I got super involved in school and did things that my parents would allow me to, you know. And then I did some things that they don't know about. And I joked earlier, if they hear this podcast, I'm still not telling them what it was. It just, it wasn't good. And I didn't land myself in jail or wind up in a ditch, but by the grace of God. But some, some stupid things, embarrassing things, things that I thank God that we don't have Facebook to remind us about or, or Instagram or to share it, I, I would be mortified. And uh, there was a time as a, an early teenager, mid-teenager, uh, we had war in my home. Mama and I, like, it was, you know, on a daily basis. And we would have to go out. We would go to church, whatever, and it was fine. But I knew, like, when we get home, it's not going to be pretty. Like, Mama and I are going to fight. And bless my dad. He was a wonderful referee. And more often um, than not, he put me where I needed to be. But it, it was a tough, tough time. And, you know, through all of that, I had some of the deepest encounters with God because my parents had raised me that no matter what comes against you, no matter what's going on, you can go in your bedroom, that's your space, and you take it to Jesus. And I knew when I couldn't word my way out of something, when I couldn't sweet talk my way out or get out, I could, I could take it to God. And that was a very early lesson and knowing that he was going to take care of me, it was going to be okay, letting his peace overcome me. And I just want to interject here today. If you see our dream team members, our lead team, anybody here, and, and there's anything good in us that you think, I want that for my child. I want my kids to grow up that way. Let me just say right now, the best thing you can do is to show them consistency to the house of God and being faithful. Amen? It is the very least that you can do. You cannot speak negatively about something and then expect a light bulb to turn on for them one day, and they're suddenly going to love it here. You've got, to, you've got to take time. You've got to watch what you say. You can't look at church and present church to them as a duty, an obligation, something we have to do so that everybody thinks it's fine. It's got to be something we get to do. We get to serve. We get to go to God's house. He loves us, and that's, that's where our answers come from. That's where our family is. And I, I, that's just a little sneak of preach, but I'm, I, I want to encourage you parents. You've got to start now. Everything you do is laying a line in a tapestry of their life, and it will show up eventually. It may just be a small banner right now, but it will show up. And if you invest it now, you are going to appreciate it so much more later. All right. Amen. So we'll fast forward a couple of years, um, not too many years. I got married at 19 years old, and we were off. And, you know, early on, um, I'm, I'm dating myself here, but the mash papers, do, do any of the girls remember this especially, like mansion, apartment, shack, and house? Yeah, and you could, you know, how many pets you were going to have, who you were going to marry, yes, all that. Or the little origami sheets, you know, 
and they're going to tell me my fortune. I mastered that, mastered it, so that every time we went through, I wound up, I was married to a preacher, living in a mansion, had a boy and a girl. Like, my life was perfect, and I had it set that way, and that was my personality. Anything that I wanted bad enough, my husband knows the still, if I, if I get a picture in my head of how I want it, it doesn't matter who's inconvenienced or aggravated by it. By God, we're going to do this, you know, and that started, that started early on. So we got married at 19, and we were going to change the world. I mean, nobody had heard of Mitch and Brandy, but they were about to, and it was going to be on fire. We were going to have Billy Graham crusades in, in a year's time, and there were going to be people, as I sang, they were going to flood the altars crying, and the Spirit of God was going to fall. It, I had this amazing picture, and we were so committed that we got married on a Friday drove Saturday all day long away from my family to our new our new home. My husband preached on Sunday. We did honeymoon on Monday. <laughs> you know, I mean, that's commitment, folks. I wouldn't recommend that necessarily now, but we we were just on fire and excited, you know, to do the work of God and it was it was just exciting times. And that honeymoon phase lasted for about the length of the honeymoon. <laughs> Because we, we have gone to Arkansas. I have some friends who are actually here today. They're, they're headed back to plant a church there. I'm not going to be mean about Arkansas. But we were in a little bitty town. I'm, t- I'm telling you, like, I can't tell you how time. 35 minutes from Walmart, okay? Target, like, an hour and a half. I mean, take the city girl and put her there. It was rough. And we were broke, but nobody was going to tell us what to do, you know. I'm talking like, take this wedding present back so we can pay this bill this week. And then when my dad calls, you know, I don't want him to be like, told you so, we're great. You know, no problems here, we're making it work. But it was, it was tough. And yes, we were young, so there was lots of passion. And I'll let your imagination go on the love side of it. It was great. But it was also passionate on the other side. And it, it caused us to deal with some stuff. And uh, we had opportunities to, to be a part of some churches early on. And I got a really, really, really good education. And, and I, got, I got told very quickly, this dream you thought you've planned out for yourself, it's not happening immediately. This is a process. And that, that was really tough for me to take. Really tough. I got, um, I got into churches where, you know... I felt like, God, I'm doing this for you, and we were told, you're too progressive, you know, that's too, that music's too wild for those young people, uh, you know, I, I don't like the length of your skirt, you need to, you know, wear your hair this way, or don't do this, or, you know, I don't like how you handled that situation, you know, and it felt like we were always the young people's friend, but the old people were just like, get them out of here, <laughs> you know. And it was hard because, God, I'm doing what you called me to do. I don't understand. This is what you wanted from me. This is, this is what I feel like you've placed in my heart. This is my plan. This is my MASH plan all laid out. I don't, I don't know why this is happening to me. It's, it's just not fair. And so we went through, a, you know, a little bit of that and got to the point where I thought, if something doesn't give soon, like, I don't know that I want to do this anymore. Like, I don't want to live in the land of lack. I don't want to be broken and frustrated all the time. Like, this is not worth it. I, I don't, I can't do this. 
And my husband got a call to, to be a part of a church in Biloxi, Mississippi. And it was our first full-time ministry job. And what that means to uh, anyone who's in ministry is that you've arrived. Like, you don't have to work a, an external job. You get to give all your time to the church. All your time to the church. All your time to the church. I didn't know that, but it's all your time to the church. And we walked right into a, to a situation that I, that I thought was the end-all answer. And I felt more lost, more scared, more depressed, more fearful than I had ever felt. And put, in a, put into a position that I thought, this is it. Like, we're going to die here. And, and nothing else is, this is the end of my life. And it was terrifying because, you know, when you're in church, people like to spiritualize things. And so it was kind of like, you know, if you, if you leave, you're out of the will of God and this isn't going to work for you. That's terrifying especially when that's what you've built your whole life towards. And so um, we literally didn't know what way we were going to come out of this. And God sent this lovely, lovely hurricane named Katrina to Biloxi. And because of obligations we had to, to giving all of our time to the church, we didn't have the opportunity to load everything up, pack it all up, put it away, and prepare for the storm. We filled our car up with our bare minimum that we could, and fled. And we stayed in a hotel room with another couple of friends of ours. And we watched the TV as this hurricane came down on our city and annihilated everything. I lost my wedding dress. I lost yearbooks, furniture, clothes. Um, our home, the walls of my closet imploded. Uh, we couldn't open our, our front door of our apartment because... The refrigerator and blocked it. It was bad. It was really bad. And I'm sitting there thinking at the time, like, oh, my God, now I'm stuck here, and I really don't have anything. Like, how are we going to do this, you know? And we get to talking, and uh, we were basically told, look, we can't promise you job here any longer because we don't know who's coming back to take care of this church or if this church is even going to come back. And wouldn't you know that a nasty hurricane that, came, that lost us everything is what blew us out. And I'm here to tell you, sometimes some of the nastiest things that you're going through and the stuff that feels like I can't get out, he will drop a Moab on you, a Katrina on you, a full-blown, horrible, horrible situation to give you the kick in your pants that you need to move on, right? And so I, I just... Focused, okay, God, put my head down, and we left. We had a little white Ford Focus. We, we filled it up, and we rolled out, and we cried tears of joy. <laughs> like, thank you, Lord, we're out. And tears of fear, like, uh, we've been locked in this, this place, and nobody knows us, and we have no job offer, and what is happening? And then God provided us a job, a full-time ministry job, in a little town in Mississippi inside of a church where we were loved and healed. These people taught me things that I, I truly believe I will carry with me always and something that we will try to instill here at City Hills, and that is the value of treasuring people. They loved us. They loved us through the, the ugliest parts of it, and, and they, they provided us with opportunities, and they walked us through this healing process, and it was heaven. It was so nice. It's so refreshing. 
but it was Mississippi. And it was a little town, and I love it. I love it to this day. I call it one of my homes away from home, but it, it, was, it was Mississippi. And so we got a call to be a part of a church in Austin, Texas. And this church in Austin was, you know, by our, our views, it lined up with a lot of our progressive thoughts and a uh, large church, and they were very generous with us. You know, we're going to take care of both of you, and we want you to come here and, and do this thing and help us. And I thought, finally, I've arrived. <laughs> like, this is, this is what we've been working for. And this, you know, our platforms rose, and we finally were a part of, of what I had seen as a little girl. You know, I watched my husband preach to thousands, and I mean arenas full of people, and, and we got to be a part of amazing things, and I got to sing, and I don't think the power ever fell that hundreds were come and saved, but it was a great thing to be a part of, and it was an incredible opportunity, but as much as I thought, okay, I've arrived, there was still one thing that I hadn't checked off my list, and that was children, and if you have ever gone through this, or you're going through this now, I cannot describe to you the pain of not being able to have a baby. The, the Bible says that there are two things that are never full, and that's a, a barren womb and hell. And I think that's funny because I think they're tied together. It, it, it's hell to have a barren womb and want a baby. And, and it feels like everybody around you is having babies, and people that don't even want babies are having babies. And there's people who are like, here, here, I, I just had a baby for the dog to play with, you know, like, and you're like, I can't have a baby. I want a baby so bad. But see, as a, as a foolish youth, as a, as a stupid kid, I had said things to God like, you know, you never have to give me kids. If you will spare me from the pain and embarrassment I've caused my parents and the stupid things I've done and the stuff I've been through, I don't ever need kids. And I know that sounds like foolish ramblings of a teenager, and it is. But when you're desperate and scared, those things come back to you. That stuff you spoke, will, will, it will come back to your mind. And it haunted me, and it bothered me. And I thought, okay, like, this is it. We've got everything lined up, but that's, that's just not going to happen. And so we spent 10 years of pregnancy test after pregnancy test coming negative. And what I knew after the fact is that I had gone through some really traumatic health experiences and knew, not at the time, but afterwards, that they were miscarriages, multiple. And it was heart-wrenching. And, and I got desperate. I, I, we had a man that I knew who I believe has the gift of faith and healing to lay hands on us at a service and pray that we would have a baby. And I remember... I was so desperate that I wanted it, but I could feel my face on fire because he was praying loud, and I thought, everybody around me is going to know my business now. And, like, you know, we haven't even told my parents or his parents that we're fighting this. I mean, it was so private and so personal. And I, I don't know. I just, I, I finally got to a point through all this, you know, we had gone, and, and we had finally reached our apex, you know, and I thought, well, it's not going to happen that way. So let's talk about adoption you really want a baby? Like, we'll make it happen. And so we, we agreed to do that. By the time we were 30 years old, we thought, we, we'll go and we'll talk to an adoption agency. So we actually did that. We got the ball rolling. And um, I had a friend in Austin who was one of those. She had 
six kids or something, I don't know. And she's casually standing with me after service. And she's like listing her symptoms off. And she's like, I'm pregnant. I know I am. I had just verbatim told my husband, like, I feel this, this, this. Almost, I'm talking like word for word. It was too, too much of a coincidence. And so on the way home, I, I didn't want to put him through that again. And I just said, babe, I think we, you know, we need paper towels or something. Can we stop and, before we get home? And so he, he didn't want to. You know, after Sunday, he's like, I want to go home. I'm like, no, we need, to, we need paper towels, <laughs> like really bad. So I got a test, and we go home, and he's changing clothes, and I'm straight to the bathroom. And, and this test immediately comes up positive. And I was in shock, and I, I went and told him, This is a funny story. I didn't share this with the first service. I took 11 pregnancy tests. 11. And uh, my mother, it tickles her now. She's like, you could have seen like a specialist for what you spent on pregnancy tests. (laughs) And I I just, I couldn't believe it. And so nine months later, we had Hazel Lynn. And then two years, nine months later, we had Henry. And God was so faithful. He gave me everything I wanted on my, my little list, you know. I give him praise for that. You know, my life felt perfect. It settled down. I've, I've got, you know, the, the crowds and the fame or whatever. I've got my preacher husband. I've got my little girl, little boy. You know, we've got a good house. We've got a good job. Everything that I wanted, everything that I thought that I wanted. I, I, who am I, God, that you gave this to me? And uh, we, were, we were doing really well. And my husband comes to me and says, you know, I, I think that I've, I'm feeling a call to plan a church. And I was like, huh? What? No. No, 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 no. No. Leave this? No. And, and he said, look, I, I feel this. You know, um, I, we are young. We got married young. But we, we've had a lot of life's experiences. And he's like, I just, I feel like it's now or never. Let's do it. And I prayed, and I, I prayed against it, and no, and, and then, you know, we started making some drives through this hill country on the weekends, and God, where would you have us go? And we moved here to plant a church, and uh, it's beautiful, and I, I love it. But um, I, I will say that in that process, I, I did ask a lot of him, you know, Mitch, is this you, or is this God? And, and God, is this something, and on the flip side, God, what I want, is that, is that what I want or is that what you want? I have two points here, if, if anyone's taking a note or wants to write it down later, to find out if something is from me or if it's from he. The first thing is, does it separate me from his calling? If he has put something in you or, or you're trying to decide, if this is, is this what I'm supposed to do? And it's a tough decision. Is it separating you from the thing that God's put in your heart? Is it, is it causing strife, you know? Is it, is it causing frustration? Not, not in the way that all change does, but with God, you know? You know what it feels like to have his peace in your heart. You know when you're doing right. You know when what you're doing is pleasing God. The second question is, does it bring him glory? Because there's a lot we could do, you know. We could come to Bernie and have a great big church, and, and, and that's great. But is it because, look what Mitch and Brandy did? Or is it because God wanted us here because he knew the people that needed to be reached with his, his gospel? 
And so we walked through that. And I just want to say nothing that ever aligns with those two questions will be from me. Me ignores his voice. Me wants the glory. Me is not going to orchestrate a victory. He will. When you see the things that come to completion and they're so wonderful the way I felt, that wasn't me. That was he. If it had been me, my, my life would have, would have wound up where it should have, you know, 15 years ago. But it was a long journey. And he's still working through us. And so now we're in Bernie. And, you know, I'm going to be very transparent. There are days here, folks, this is a tough job. And it, it's not the easiest thing. And there are days it would be honestly easier for me to say, I'm going to bounce. We're out. I can't do it anymore. I feel like, you know, we say the same things a million times. I'm frustrated. I feel like we're hacking away. It's like putting my head, it's my head's bloody. You know, we're just beating it against a brick wall. I, I, don't, I don't know if I can do this anymore. And this scripture stands out to me. And he's in 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 8, he says, just think. You don't need a thing. You've got it all. All of God's gifts are right in front of you as you wait expectantly for our master Jesus to arrive on the scene for the finale. And not only that, but God himself is right alongside to keep you steady and on track until things are all wrapped up by Jesus. God who got you started in this spiritual adventure 17 years ago this year shares with us the life of his son and our master Jesus. He will never give up on you. Never forget that. I love that scripture. And it's, it's true. We, you know, sometimes words don't even mean anything. You've, I've been low enough that people quote Bible to me, and I'm like, heard it. But if you will take some time and dig into God's word, he will ignite it in you. And it, it, it will bring you so much hope. So that's, that's my story and uh, to this point. And I just want to say, I know that by some of your standards, my life may seem like fluff. And you might look at me and think, oh, that poor little church girl, you know, she's really out of bad. But let me just tell you my truth on the other side is the religious and the pious who look at me and say, that poor little girl thinks she's a church girl. I know things that she's done. I know her faith has failed her. I know she's tripped up. So I live in the tension every day that I don't have, I'm not good enough for here. You know, I'm not bad enough to fit in with the, the rank horrible sinners. And I'm not good enough to fit in with the people who've, you know, never sneezed wrong. They're perfect. And I feel every shortcoming. I feel every failure. And, and I am unqualified. But my Bible tells me, your Bible tells you, we are all sinners. Every single one of us are sinners. We have all fallen short of his glory. Every single one of us. We all need his forgiveness. We all need his salvation. None of us is better than the other. None of us. And I look around here today, and I just want to say, I hope that you leave out these doors and take a picture in front of that pretty wall. I hope you leave these doors today and that your hearts are encouraged because I am here for every face in this audience today. God's grand design knew far before we did who was going to be a part of these services. I didn't know anyone. We came here with no one by ourselves and look around at the family that God is building here. 
It's amazing. That's good. You can give it a clap. That's amazing. I am so proud to be a part of City Hills. And I am honored to be able to lead alongside my husband in this great team. This, this wonderful, wonderful church. And I want to tell you today, Mom, you feel like you have sacrificed your sleep and your sanity and your body for your children. And, you're, and you've put aside the things that used to interest you and you don't have time for your hobbies anymore. It's all about your kids. I want to tell the dads who've given up on your dreams to ensure that your family stay together and that they're provided for. He knows. He knows the things that you have in your heart. He knows the things that you wish you could just disappear and, and leave it all behind. He will honor that faithfulness, though. Single person who you're struggling with your identity as a single person, am I ever going to find Mr. or Mrs. Wright? You know, I, I don't know what to do with my future. I, I'm lost right now. I thought this was going to happen. This is, this is not happening the way I thought it was supposed to happen. He knows, and he loves you, and he cares. There's young people sitting in here. You're at war with your peers and, and, and the, the idea that you have to be perfect you're at war with your parents. He knows. He loves you. And his word says that what he has started in you, and that may be for some today, that may, he may start something in you today. Or if he started it in you as a little girl or as a, as a young adult, whatever he has started in you, and you know that for yourself, the word of God says that he is faithful to fulfill. He is faithful to finish. What a finish that's going to be, right? heaven. That's the finish. And that is our goal. And that is what we are trying to accomplish here at City Hills, to take as many people to heaven with us as possible. No more pain, no more frustration, no more fear, no more loss, just his perfect peace. And we're going to get there, people. And I'm going to see every one of you and high five you. And it's going to be what a day, what a wonderful day. The bottom of, of verse 7, as Paul was writing in Philippi, just to reiterate it, said, I believe it's right for me to feel this way since I have it in my heart because you are my partners in grace. And I just want to tell the church this today. You are my partners. Look around you today. This is your family. We are partners. We are on this journey together. And you don't have to walk out today feeling stuck anymore. Let this message serve you today. I know it's not profound or amazing. But I want you to hear me. Be encouraged. This is not the end. Whatever it is you're in the middle of, this is not the end road. He has an amazing story that he's writing out for you. And you're going to look back on it if you will stay faithful to him. And it's going to make so much sense. I, I'm writing new dreams now. You know, I finished my list from a child and I'm writing new dreams now. I want to see this church grow. I want to see my children filled with His Spirit in this church. I want to see relationships that I, I get to watch your babies grow. And we get to, to see wonderful, wonderful things that God does in your families. This is not the end. Whatever you're in, it's not the end. And I want you to be encouraged in that today. Listen to the lyrics of this song. And I think Pastor Mitch is going to come pray. I just want you to be blessed today and remind you that he is faithful. And this is not the end. He will perform it. If he started it, he will finish it. 
So hang in there. Be blessed today. Why don't you bow your heads and close your eyes. And let, me, let me ask you, there's a couple of people in the room today that you, you sort of know this feeling of, um, I don't know, I don't know how this is going to end. You know, I don't know how God's going to make a way in this. There may be moms in the room that are feeling like, you know, I don't know how things are going to work out and my kids, things are going crazy. Things have, things have kind of just moved so rapidly. I don't know how we even got where we are. Maybe you're in the room today, you're a woman and you, you sort of face the same struggles that we face and you think, man, is this ever going to happen? Is this ever going to happen? How's God going to fix my marriage? It seems so broken. How's God going to grab you know my kids things have gone so crazy and I just don't know how I don't know how this thing's going to wrap up if that's you nobody's looking around everybody's eyes are closed if that's you I just want you to raise your hand and say man that's me I, like I'm struggling with how's this thing's going to end how's God going to really work this out I see you, I see you all over the house all over the room today people's hands are up why don't you put your hands down let me pray for you and, and, and I can I can pray this with you but I can't pray this for you I just want you to ask God to sort of move in your life in a big way. Father, I just know that this isn't the end of the story. I know that there's more. I know that, God, that you have our future in your hand. I know that it's your will to prosper us and not to harm us. I know it's your will to give us an expected future, a bright future, and a hope. God, I pray for that today. I pray for moms and dads in the room today who are struggling with how's this going to wrap up? How, how, what's How's everything going to come together? Where's the door going to open? When, when am I going to finally get an answer? When are things going to finally turn around? Father, I pray that today would be that day that everything turns around. Their eyes would be open that you, you're still there. Even though when they can't hear you or can't feel you or don't see you working, doesn't mean you aren't working. Father, I pray for people who have yet to surrender their heart to Jesus. And if you're in the room today and that's you, I just want you to pray a simple prayer that sounds something like this. Say, Lord Jesus, I need you today. God, I need you in my life today. Forgive me of all of my sins. God, search my heart and everything inside of me, all the stuff I've leaned on my own. God, I turn all that over to you, Jesus. Save me from all of that stuff. Forgive me of all of my sins. God, I give you my whole life today. Be the Lord of my life. I, God, I give you complete control. I make that U-turn and head back towards God. I make a fresh start today. I thank you for forgiving me. I thank you for working it out when I don't see you working I thank you that you're faithful in Jesus' name. Everybody shout a big amen.